Dad trying to keep us on schedule over here. <laughs> What's up, guys? John Sintez, Cutter Nation Podcast 58, Cass Kitelo, Jason right Low. Yeah, I can't even say his name. You got to just go to bed saying that know, 10 right? times fast before. Practice, practice, practice. Anyway, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and please mash that like button. That really helps us out in the YouTube algorithm and get us out there. Also, uh, feel free to share some uh, stuff on social for us. That helps us out. So, anyway. All right. So I'm going to introduce today's guest. This is Jason Yuli Kinsey. Okay. I know Jason um, from Minnesota, but I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit now. Uh, why don't you just give us kind of like your bio, who you are, a little bit about Powerhouse, and uh, yeah, and then we'll kind of go backwards and give my little okay. two cents on on how we know that. Okay. How we know yeah. So uh, my name is uh, obviously Jason Yuli Kinsey. Um, I am the director of player development for Powerhouse Mechanics. Um, so we're a little bit different than your your standard training or you know uh, uh, pitching coach situation. Um, I utilize what we call foundational coaches in our program, and so uh, I am the one who handles all the programming, um, and I'm the one that makes sure everybody's following the program. If there needs to be any adjustments in the program, um, so I'm the person who does that, and I just kind of oversee the foundational coaches. Um, and you guys are straight up fast pitch. Pitching. We are straight, yeah, we're straight up fast pitch softball pitching. Um, and you have how many coaches? Well, in San Diego, we have four. I make the fifth. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but so that's. You're kind so of that's all I out. needed to know. Jason's in softball. Uh huh. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. We're we're gonna be constantly back and forth with with connection, just with the rain and everything. So be be ready for that. Um, no, I was just gonna say yes. I'm gonna we're gonna t I'm gonna tee you up tons for powerhouse because it's unbelievable what you're doing there. Um, I just I I got ahead of myself. So let me let me back up and tell people who the human being is. And then we'll be able to get into the professional side a lot more. Awesome. Um, so actually, just because it's a funny story, um, just to clarify, because um, I know that there's a lot of kids that watch this and not a lot of kids have to write letters or know their address that much. But before we went live oh, here, um, I was talking about zip codes <laughs> um, and Jason didn't know the difference between a zip code and an area code. And I'm not sure he does yet. No, so, you know I, like I said, He's I, like, I, I, I gotta let my coffee kick in. I, I was, I was kick in for a minute. I was so. saying zip codes, and he's like, Cass, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know how to call you if I wanted to. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't. You can call me anyway. Okay, so, yeah. um, so everybody knows that I'm from Minnesota, um, and so really? I, I played and coached at Hamlin University, which is a Division three liberal arts college in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. For the record, it's right by the, the state fairgrounds in Minnesota. And my goodness, Jason, how good is the Minnesota State Fair? Oh, man. If I'm from San Diego and we have the Del Mar Fair, uh, the Del Mar Fair can't even uh, compare to what the Minnesota State Fair is. It is unbelievably like it's such a well-organized event. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know how many people go to that thing. Um, but the food is like ridiculously good. Um, 
the they get him. people like Alicia Keys to come perform. Um, so it's it's pretty good. I miss it actually, and I tell everybody all the time: if I didn't have family, if I didn't have a family here, if I didn't have my family from San Diego, I'd be living in Minnesota. Yeah. So. So love it. So anyway, that's that's where it is. Um, I, I I share the same sentiment, but it doesn't. It, I just sound like a homer when I say it. Um. So. Anyway, so when I was playing at Hamlin, Jason was the softball coach at Hamlin, and I remember. Yes, so I, I think was. you weren't there. You weren't there my freshman year, and then you came my sophomore year, or you came in mid semester. Something, something. So I was there uh, before you got there, actually, and I left your sophomore year. I was there for three years. So whatever, whatever it was. I remember seeing you walking around campus. All yeah, the time. yeah. But so. I just remember going like, oh, um, and no offense to, to the people if they ever end up watching this. I don't know that you're going to send this to your, your old players, but like they got so much better so fast. Oh, yeah, I, they did. I had no idea what Jason was doing, but it was very obvious that he knew how to make girls better. And um, that wasn't very common at that time. Like a lot of people, it's taken a long time for player development to be something where we're like, yeah. I can make somebody twice as good in like a year and a half if you just let me. You know what I mean? People just didn't think like that. Well, I, I think there's a difference, right? I, especially in the Division Three and the Division One kind of realm. I feel like your Division One athletes um, are like turnkey. You know, there's just fine adjustments. You get a lot of Division Three kids who just are very athletic, softball or but baseball, whatever. There's you know, might not have been their their prime sport. There, we had a lot of hockey players. Um, they're very athletic. They just they weren't privileged to the coaching or to the level of play that we have here in Southern California. So when you get when you get those kids, the progress is um, almost immediate and just outstanding as far as like the level that they go. Because once you just get them on the right track, then it pretty much takes care of itself, you know. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I was, that, that's I what I was, was, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> Bro. I mean, it is, it, I'll, go, I, I'll let you, I think it kind of is that easy in the aspect of as far as like the, that level. Right. I mean, we had very, very, very athletic kids. They just, they weren't necessarily softball players at that moment, you know, yeah. pitchers, these weren't Everybody, softball pitchers. From my experience, everybody in Minnesota is completely undertrained in baseball. And I, and I said like in, in softball. So when I'm going to Hamlin and I, and I decide to start throwing every day, right? Like I got so much better just by throwing every day and it wasn't good. Like I, what I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being coached like you said, right? you know, like, like and so it was just that. And then <clears throat> Anyway, it's just an undertrained world. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, we don't need to get stuck down too long in that because we have a ton of cool things to talk about. So anyway, so that's how I right. knew of Jason. Um, and we, like you said, we kind of just knew Hello? of each other. And that was about. Hello. Dang, man. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Hold on, let me switch Wi-Fi real quick. Hello? You froze there.
Oh, there you go. Okay. Now we're live. Now we're live. It says I'm in the show. Yeah, I can't see. It's starting to downpour right now, though. Like yeah, that's that's part of it. Yeah. Okay. We we can hear you. We can't see you. Um. So I was just. I'll just pick up where I was saying, and then well, when you when you appear, Jason, can you just re-click the link to jump back in from your text? Sorry, guys. One second. Um, having small technical difficulties. One second. So you have um, – tell us a little bit more about what you know about Jason. Help us out with that just a little bit. Um, well, he'll get into it I, as far as, like, the technical side. So I just remember um, – I remember having him, like, break down the girl's, like, drive. And um, when he first oh, – here he goes. Okay. There we go. Right okay. So anyway, get, getting you out to here. So I was um, – I moved out here – at the end of 2018 and Jason was one of the first people that I had run into. Um, and so we have a, we share a client mm -hmm. and that was one of Jason's probably one of your biggest, most, I don't even know how to say it. They're really important to you. Right. And uh, um, yeah. Yeah. And it, I'm sure you'll talk about Lauren. Yeah. Right. And so as yeah. soon as he was describing Jason, I'm like, I think I know that guy. <laughs> and, uh, and so we set up a coffee meeting in La Jolla right by his house and he told me what he was doing. I kind of caught him up and we just, we just keep on talking. So, yeah. um, always respect, uh, somebody who cares as much as Jason does for his people. It's very obvious. I've been to some of his little functions, um, that he puts on for his players and, um, it, that that's that's really one of the biggest things that sticks out to me when I'm looking at at other coaches, whether it's in baseball or other sports, is the impact that they have on the kids. Because every single coach has the opportunity, um, and what they do with that is is on them. And Jason's, if yeah. not the best, one of the best. So um, yeah, man. So why don't you you can go a little bit more into detail about powerhouse. Um, you can talk about how you got here. I mean. It, Actually, it'd probably be cool to talk a little bit about growing up because I know we had talked about um, like you're a catcher in baseball, right? right? And and how much that influences how you're teaching what you're doing now, and and just kind of like get us up to speed because right. you know one the, the the big thing that we have in common before I hand it over is the fact that we didn't we didn't go to school to develop the skill, right? We've developed this skill right, in right, our right. own unique way, and then we share a lot of common themes and how we see movement and what we're asking of our players. So. Help, help our people know a little bit more about what's inspired you to be here. Right. Um, your well, passions, your calling. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I, you're I, from I here. I, I'm from San Diego. <laughs> I am. I am from San Diego. I was born and raised in San Diego. Um, you know, I did play professional fast pitch for about 14 years. And I don't want to get too much into that because I always just tell people that's that's really not important to me or when I talk to the public about it. Um, but so I, I lived throughout the, the whole entire Midwest, Utah. Um, so, um, you know, there just came a point to where I've always wanted to come back home. Um, and there was a situation that happened at Hamlin that kind of, if I were to take this, uh, you know, take this offer, I would have never came back home. So, um, I just came home, um, and I'll never forget when I came home because all I've done was like sports my entire life. Um, and 
I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do when I get back to San Diego? And I said, you know, I don't think I want to coach anymore. I, I, I really, I think I, I, you know, coaching was such a privilege. I didn't, and I didn't feel like it was work. So I felt like I wasn't really being responsible, if that makes sense. Like I kind of felt like, oh, I'm just a, I'm a private coach. Like that's not even a real job, right? Like at least in the Midwest, let me just say that. It wasn't like a yeah. real, like, you know what I'm saying? It was just kind of, of course. most people do those for stints. And yeah. so I came home and I was like, I just want to be like everybody else. I want, I want to, I want to hate my job and love my weekend and just kind of do, you know, do the mainstream thing. Well, that lasted, I did, that lasted for maybe like a year. Um, and luckily, you know, um, and I'll say luckily I got, um, laid off because, you know, my whole department kind of, uh, got laid off. Um, and so it kind of pushed me into doing, uh, private lessons again. So, um, you know, in the meantime, I was, I was working with, uh, one of my best friends now, um, his daughter, Lauren Kramer, who is, she's actually now the head or not the head, but she's the softball coach at St. John's university. Um, you know, and he kind of just was like, man, you're like, you're really good at this. And you're like, you should take this more seriously. And, um, you know, and I, I think a lot of it was I didn't give myself enough credit. Um, and so I, because I didn't give myself enough credit, I didn't take it so serious. You know, I was, um, but little by little things grew um, and they grew to a point to where I, you know, uh, I couldn't really manage it alone. Um, and so I had to think about ideas of how am I going to, um continue the level of training with as many kids as possible. And so I just kind of sat down and I asked myself, well, what is coaching, right? What is coaching? And coaching is pretty much just how well you can diagnose and how well you can prescribe, right? And so if I can just do that, if I can just diagnose and prescribe and give kind of like that workout to somebody else to do, it's still the same. It's still the same coaching. It's just not directly coming from me if that makes sense so that's kind of how um powerhouse started so and now we're just we got about 200 kids in our program in san diego alone um and we're just doing pretty well so that's powerhouse mechanics <laughs> oh man <clears throat> so go back a little bit more at the beginning because I want you to talk about more than just the one client, like talk about some of your first girls and like, and, okay. and I think that like there were, I, I was going to make a note, but I'm, I'm really just trying to think of like the reasons why you coach. Okay. Right. And then be for, uh, for some of the people that might be doing it. Yeah. Just go ahead. Well, I'll say this. I, I think the re the reason why I coached was because I had to make money. Right. And that, when I got laid off, I had to, think about like, well, how am I going to like survive? Right. That, that's the, the reason why it, I started or taking it to this point. Right. But as you get into it, not, you know, you realize it's beyond coaching. Um, it's beyond drills and what you're doing at the field. Like you look and you say, I'm actually creating opportunity for kids. 
And I'll guarantee you right now, I have kids that are in college and only at college right now because I was able to be a part of their journey and, and get them a scholar and help get them a scholarship. Because if that scholarship wasn't um, a factor, they probably wouldn't be in school. You know, they'd probably be at home, you know, just going through life, you know, try working some entry level job somewhere, you know. Um, so the whole point turned into like, I want to be able to help create opportunity for kids. Um, and whether they, whatever, whatever they do with that opportunity or whatever they do with these, with what's set in front of them, hey, that I've, all I want to do is help create that for them. I mean, that's kind of like where it started or my idea went. You know, um, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with some of the top pitchers in the country from a young age. And I could, I think that's kind of like, um, what pro propelled powerhouse mechanics to what it was. You know, one of my first students was Lexi Sosa. She was like rated the number three pitcher in the country. And she was the youngest, uh, female or she was the youngest softball player. Uh, to re receive a scholarship offer to UCLA. And so she received and offered her scholarship in eighth grade as a 13-year-old, and that was kind of unheard of. Um, and so what happened was, I mean, it was all over every softball platform, you know, it, it, and it wasn't even a positive thing. It was a negative thing, and you know, and I think that kind of threw my name around. They're like, well, who is this coach promoting, you know, this kid to UCLA? And it, was, it wasn't even intentional. It was just a contact that I had. It wasn't even about getting her recruited. It was somebody saw her. Um, I just happened to be her coach. And that was it, you know. So uh, that she was one. I have a couple kids at Georgia right now that kind of helped create the name. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think because we are a result-based industry, you produce good results, everybody notices, you know? So um, I don't know how much more detail to get into, but I mean, that's pretty no, much it. That was great. That was great. <laughs> well, so. so I've seen Jason coach <clears throat> through his sessions, and there's – so you already talked about the perspective that you want – um, you know, and yeah. I know you can't do everything justice sitting here uh, virtually, but um, you can get up if you want, but I don't expect that. But but yeah, give me no. an idea of like <clears throat> why you think what you're doing with them works. And I want you to think okay. about it a little bit too of like beyond movement too and like how you communicate with people. And you've talked a lot about like, you know, you, you say that you're not smart. Well, the, the intelligence can be measured in a lot of ways. Right. And so, right. um, yeah, be as open as you, so, as you're willing okay. to. I'll say this. And I've been, you know, I've been listening to your guys' podcast and I think there was, there was one, I think two days ago that you were speaking to a, a I think her name was Jamie. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, and then that other, the, I forget his name. He's the, the pitching coach. Yeah. Right. So, uh, that was probably, and I'll, I'll get into why this was, I, I really liked that episode um, because when I listened to John and I listened to you, Cass, and I listened to everybody else, um, I feel like everything is just so, so right now, everything is just so about like, not like the knowledge, what I've learned, and it sounds so scientific, right? But when we talk, and I say we, like myself, and like, and I hear like your group talk, it, 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 it's not as difficult. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, here's yeah. the ball, throw it. Here's the ball, throw it. Right? Your body will figure it out. Um, and it was just listening to the explanations of things. It was like, it's not that serious, I don't think. Or should I say, it's not that in-depth by in, with intention. Does that make sense? Like, everything, yeah. everything... I think coaching right now is so intentional. They're they're taught to move intentionally throughout 95% of the entire motion. Whether that's baseball hitting, baseball pitching, softball hitting, softball pitching, everything is like one, two, three, right? Um, you know, and I just kind of live by or I coach by the idea of, you know, throwing, pitching, hitting, anything athletic is probably. 70% or I'll say this I'll start 30% created 70% allowed and what I mean by that is you know like we don't have to work so hard we just got to work through 30% of what we're doing and be intentional about that 30% and let the rest of everything else just kind of work itself out and so um I think that's kind of like my base of coaching right my my idea like you never hear me talk about follow throughs Follow-throughs are important to me because follow-throughs are something that we don't intentionally create. Follow-throughs are something that naturally are a result of kind of how we're snapping through our fingers and driving through our forearm into our release, you know? Um, so I think that's just kind of the difference in what I do. Um, back, I, I totally forgot to get into this, um, but like you said before, I was actually, I started off as a baseball catcher. And actually my first couple of years of playing men's fast pitch, I was the catcher. I was a catcher. Um, and I think growing up as a catcher, I just learned to uh, recognize like the path of force. Um, and when I say the path of force, I mean, like I can look at somebody move and I can kind of see the directions that their forces are going, the forces that they create individually with each motion um, you know, like the force they create with their glove side, the force they create coming, you know, well, in baseball downhill, um, you know, um, so I, I think because of that, I mean, that's, that's the point of view I like to coach now. And I want to catch my lessons, um, because I want to be able to see what's moving forward towards me and how it's moving forward. Um, you know, so here I have a, I have a question. So I think one thing that, so you got talking and like you, you kind of gave us, um, you, you solved a problem and, and I know I'm being ambiguous, but like when I watch you, you have a lot of these, you know, and all of us coaches do, right. We have these things that these themes that keep coming up, these problems that we're constantly solving with players. Right. And so you just talked about like getting them to understand where their force is, like getting them on the same page with you. Um, so like, I don't know if I don't I don't know enough about the specifics to ask you like a really detailed question, but I'm wondering if you know some of these themes that you constantly find yourself talking about with these girls, right? Um, right. Like some of the I, problems that you constantly solve, and because when I get you going in these, like th there's some there's some really good stuff in there, and and I think not just from a softball standpoint, from but, but from like a a being coach standpoint and, and good ways to think about things. So. Anyway, I know I brought it a little bit too, so. No, 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 no. I, I'll say this. Um, well, one, I think athleticism is athleticism. Body movement is body movement. Now, whether you apply that movement to baseball pitching, to softball pitching, to hitting, 
um, the conversation, there's a lot of consistencies within the conversation. Um, in fact, when I get baseball dads that come over with their daughter, they're like, you know, like I'm a baseball guy and, you know, I just don't know softball enough. I don't want to get her messed up. And as we get into it, the dad is always like, this is exactly like baseball. And, I, and it is like a lot of the, a lot of the things that we talk about, a lot of the conversation is almost identical. Um, what, what, how we produce power, how we retain power and how we transfer power are almost identical. It's just a little bit of different joint rotations, but other than that, it's the same. So um, I don't overcomplicate it in my mind. Cause I don't think I have the, po- I don't have the ability to overcomplicate because like I said, I know I said, I'm not smart. I'm very smart. I take that back. I'm just not well trained in kinesiology. So for me to overcomplicate something is impossible. So I just train off of like feel, and this is, and I, I I'm very hesitant to bring this up because it kind of sounds super weird. Um, but another reason why I like to co- to catch is because when I watch movement in general, whether it's somebody hitting or 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 it's pitching, um, I can literally feel it within my own body. I can like if somebody is moving wrong within their shoulder. I can feel how that affects my, my scapula. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of weird. And I don't know if that's a, a normal thing or not. Um, but um, I think that's kind of. It seems to me when you've shared that with me, it's like you have such a good uh, sense of what your body is like. And, and your you know, you have such good body awareness yourself that you can literally like relate to that immediately. To the point right. where you know you can see that, and and, and as my skill set has gotten better, I've said this to you. Like I can start to see how people feel based on how they walk, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I think about it like I've kind of so to to your technical side of things, um, you know. And John and I have talked a lot about this. Um, it's totally a compensatory move for on my standpoint, right? So like when I came out of Division Three, I never played professional baseball, and I need people to take me seriously. Right. And so I'm going, what, what are people talking about? And everybody has been gravitating, you know, the, the pendulum was like all the way over to like, no data, everything is just subjective. This guy's opinion to, Hey, we need to find better ways to do this video got better, right? Technology continues to get a lot better. And so it's just been easier to quantify what some of the valuable things might be in our sport. Um, but to your point, and, and this is what we talk about all of the time constantly is like, how do we flirt this line between being in tune with what's going on in the industry and just like, why does this matter? Why don't we just coach and get results? Like you said, you know what I mean? And so I know that, you know, knowing the people, knowing Weston and knowing Jamie well, right. Those are things that like, those are almost just like baseline requirements through a lot of people's eyes, right. To like be considered to get a professional pitching job in major league baseball right now it's really helpful to have a CSCS, right? A certified strength and conditioning coach, right? It's really helpful to have some of these things. It is helpful to be able to have that conversation because if I'm getting a kid that has Tommy John surgery and the doctor calls me up and I have an idea of what he's saying, it's helpful for me to bridge that gap. So I'm not, I'm not even picking a side. I'm just saying that this is the world that we live in and, and you represent somebody who is getting unbelievable results and, and not having a conversation like you're in a doctor's office. And 
And so right. that, that's where I think your, your conversation is very valuable. Um, and, and I'll, I'll say one more thing and then, and hand it back. Like, this is also a time where like kids can't handle more, you know, like the stresses of today is not like, you know, can you feed your family? Cause, and keep the farm running. It's like, you have to get like a 4.0 and like be involved in everything and never make a mistake on social media. And like the stakes are so high. And so if you go to a, a training session and it's like, Hey, you need to know the difference between pronation, supination. And like, where is your body at launch position? What's launch position? Yeah, exactly. You need to know a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, what if you just shut up and throw? <laughs> well, that's what, I, well, one, I think if we just go back to what is it that we're really doing? And it's just about production, producing. You know, I, I, tell, I tell this to my kids all the time. I don't care how hard you work. I really don't. And, I, and I'm talking about like my, my own kids, my own, I have two sons. And it, 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 to me, it's like, I don't care how much you try. That, that, that doesn't, nobody's going to care how much you try. All that people are going to care about is what you produce, right? And so as long as you produce, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like, look, if, if some guy came up and threw 101 miles an hour, would you question what his knowledge was? Would you question like, hey, dude, like, uh, do you know you're pronating in this wrong area? The dude would be like, probably not. No, I don't. I don't know. What I'm, I don't know what pronating is. But did you see did you see the radar gun? I threw 101. Why do you care? No, it's, it's a good question. We were talking about it with Vance Worley yesterday. It's like, why would you tell that person? And, and, and that's the thing is like, okay, Jason, if you had that girl, right? The equivalent of that, what's, you know, whatever that velocity is for fast pitch. If you have that girl that's throwing absolute gas, but you see some leaks in her motion, aren't you going to say something? Depends because you got to remember th things are things. I'm not looking for perfect form ever. I don't think we should be striving for perfection, you know? Um, and when I say that, there, I, there are things about kids that kids that that I train that I allow for them to do certain things that I do not allow for other kids to do. There are things that there's probably a hitch, but you got to understand like what does that hitch create, right? What is this? What and one kid that bad movement is bad overall for what they're doing, but they're do this other kid is taking that movement and turning it into something beneficial. All I'm right? saying is that I, I do believe that there is that person that's the best thrower that you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And you also have things that you could help them with, right? There is still right. this next level. Just like at, when you're playing, you're talking about like, of course, letting this so, so they can compete. But I, I just, I'm just making the distinction that I think you're, I think you're that good. And I think that the best coaches are that good where they can, they can look at that 101 mile an hour throw and say like, yeah, dude, you don't have to do anything different. If you keep on doing that, you will have all the success in the world. But if you can't do that tomorrow, if all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're 95 and all of a sudden it doesn't feel good, what happens? How are you solving that problem? Okay, that, that, and now, okay. that's a yeah, good go. point. Because when I was listening to that, and one, I listened to your podcast from two days ago, John, and one thing that like struck me was you said there was a point where I was throwing 95 miles an hour and you were never hurt. And then you get into this realm of training and all of a sudden you started having these injuries and all those other things. Well, there's one thing that I, I, that I tell kids all the time. And when I do evaluations, I say, one thing that I look for are what are their athletic motions and what are their trained motions, right? And 
you can have a trained motion that that is positive and you can have a trained motion that is negative but athletically our bodies will create responses to kind of bridge that together into something else right and so like i don't know what your situation was john i don't know like what it was you were being taught that started giving you i mean i i heard a little bit about it in your podcast but i don't remember the specifics um but like i was saying there's certain quirks that make a pitcher a pitcher there's certain things that give them a certain identity. And I think that's one thing that I try to preach. Like, be you. Play you. That's that's one of the things that we we talk about um, with our own kids. We have, we have a thing that we call play you. Hashtag play you. Like, what does that mean? It means you are not the next person. Don't be the next person. Don't try to be the next person. Don't try to, don't try to like, look at that person and, and follow every single movement that that person is doing. You know? Um, because when it comes to like competition, right? There's just going to be people that just throw harder than you. Nothing you can do about it. But you know what? That's not your game. So stop trying to play them at their own game. What makes you you? What you know? And if yours is, hey, I got really good spin and I change speeds well. Be the best you, right? And li- and live there. Live there. Um, and that, I think that goes within the training too. Like, you know, I got kids that are. One, my one kid, Shelby, she's at Georgia right now. And this chick had like the thighs of a speed skater. I mean, like that was the first thing that everybody would notice. They'd be like, dude, how much does that chick squat? You know, Um, in fact, she was so strong in her quads that she was producing so much force that she blew an ACL because she could not in her in her knee. Like the doctor was like, well, she's she's just producing so much force. Her tendons cannot support what is going forward, you know, like in that opposite leg in that, in that left leg that has to catch all that force. So eventually it was going to give out. Right. And so there's certain things that kids just are naturally born with. You know, I have a kid who, and not to get so in depth in this story, but you know, I had a kid, she's a very strong Samoan girl, um, short, but strong. Right. She was maybe like five foot two. And um, one of the things is when she she was playing, she she was beating like all the top teams in the country, um, and she was playing like on a no name team. And I'm not going to say what that was, only because when people hear it, I'm not I'm not trying to dog this team or talk, you know, cap on this Just team. Honest. But right, she played for a no name team, but she took that no name team to third place at nationals, and she knocked out herself hitting and pitching every single one of these teams. Well, naturally, these teams said, we want you to play for us. And so she did. And it was probably the worst thing that could have happened because when she got there, these coaches were telling her, you got to do this. You got to do that. You have to throw this hard. You got to throw this spin. You got to throw. And so they started to chip away of what made her successful and who she was and who her identity as a pitcher was. And she kind of got lost. Does that make sense? And yeah. she, they wanted her to have stronger leg drive or they wanted her to be able to have better whip. And it was like, this is not you, right? And let's stop trying to be everybody else or trying to, you know, so I I feel like that's the wrong with coaching is we don't realize that there's individual characteristics in everybody that just, it is what it is. Not everybody's going to pronate or what is it, subnate, whatever Nate, whatever Nate it is, right? Who's Nate? I don't know. You know, bring in all the Nates. 
yeah, you know, like not everybody's going to do that as efficiently. And I don't think you should focus so much on training them how to do things so efficiently. Like, look, this is you, you know? So th this is funny because like in context, this is so much different because, okay. So for the record, like Jason makes girls move very, very well. Okay. And, and there are certain things that the body will do. And, and so I'm just for perspective, we are talking about the minute details. Like once you get a person to a certain place, like they're driving a certain way, right? There's certain things that have to happen in order right. to make it look like a throw. I'm not, I'm just saying that for clarification because like <clears throat> some people need to understand that we, there are some certain things that need to happen fundamentally. So no, 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 I, I wanted no, no, to ask definitely. you a question. I wanted yeah. to ask you a question about the 101. What first of all, what's what's an equivalent of a hundred for softball? What's that number? So I believe that number when they say somebody is throwing uh 70 miles an hour, uh it's 123 equivalent. Um if you if a softball pitcher is throwing 70 miles an hour. It's equivalent to 123 miles per hour in baseball. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about the conversion. I'm saying like, what's, oh. what would be like the fastest softball pitch, right? At like at the collegiate oh. level. At the collegiate level, I believe it's uh, 73 miles an hour. And then that, the professional, yeah, but so that, that that is like one person, um, you know, and I think that was uh, Jackie Trena from, I think she went to Alabama. Nice. Um, you know, 73 miles an hour. But the Japanese national pitcher, she throws 76. Um, and she's five five foot five. Wow, that's crazy. You know, but the I'll say this. I listened to you how you're talking about the Kore playing the, uh, with the Korean or seeing the Korean bullpen and how they throw like all day, every day. And it's just, a, but they're so efficient, right? Yeah. I feel like the same thing with the Japanese. Um, they've kind of adopted a very... Like, uh, I, I guess you could say a holistic approach, meaning like how one motion affects the other motion. And sometimes it's it's not necessarily identical to somebody else's, but how does that affect the next motion, right? That's interesting. So my, my question was like, because um, I think you and I think similarly, um, if we had a 101 equivalent or a 76 as an athlete, and then we were able to jump into that point and improve them, right? What would you do? That was the, you know what I mean? Like, what would you add to that? Well, you know? Oh, you know what I would do? Okay. So if I had a kid who was already throwing, let's say 73 miles an hour, right? You can only throw so hard, right? 70, but once you hit, let's, let's just be honest. Once you hit 67, it's, it's kind of like the temperature. Right. This is why I tell people it's like the temperature. Like, I don't know the difference between 100 and 110. All I know is it's hot. Right. So um, same thing with speed. You know, like what's the who cares if you throw once you pass 67 miles an hour, it's all the same. Right. Um, as far as what you see. Right. Is what you're saying. As like far visually as like what's to your the batter, what your, your effectiveness of the speed would be, I would say. OK. You know, um, and I'm talking about in women's fast pitch because um in men's fast pitch, they were throwing upwards into like 84 or 85, which is heck of a lot different from 46 feet. Um, so, you know, what was I saying? Oh, what I would do is like say, hey, like we need to, I want, I, at that person, I would want to, I want to, I want to break them down 
an aspect of knowledge. Say, I want I want you to understand like what you're doing and how you're creating that, right? Because when it comes to performing, you know, you want to be able to self-correct if there's something that is happening. You know what I'm saying? So, that, I mean, that's the one thing I would say I do in my coaching. I tell my kids all the time, like, I'm not, my job here is not to teach you how to pitch. My job is to teach you how to teach pitching, right? Because then you have more of a knowledge base. And so we do take a lot of time to let them feel like what what each individual motion that they they intentionally create is doing. So when you're out there and you're on the mound, you can go, oh, crap, you know, I actually felt myself pull a little bit harder through my elbow on that one. You know, I just want to keep my my front side in control a little bit on the, on the next time around, you know, um, because not that I feel like people should focus on their form, but they should focus on what they feel as far I as like you say rely on the movement. No, I, well, I say rely on the muscle, um, rely on the muscle. So I'm not a big muscle memory person. I'm a, a, I am a muscle is the word reliant person. Like if you rely on your muscle to create a certain movement, there's no thought about it. You know? So if I need, if I need to pull from my, I'm not even going to try to say what this front part of my shoulder is, but you know what I mean? But if I rely on that motion to create like what we call the ejecting force, right? If I rely on this, this, this muscle here to create what we call the ejecting force, then there's really no thought. There's no thought to like the movement. It's because um, the muscle will only create a certain direction of. of well, what I think was cool about that too, is that like you both kind of said the same thing. Cause I, I would have said the same. I, we, all three of us would have said, cause you know, he's thinking about when it it's not lined up or not synced up correctly. And I'm thinking about a backup plan and that's what it sounds like it to you also, right? When you're performing and it's not going well and you right. should probably know what your foundation of thought process should be when you fall back on it, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, and I'm going to say yes and no because here's why. When I'm when I I tell the kids all the time too. When you're out there, just win. It doesn't yeah. matter how you do it, just win. Totally. Right? You're you're always going to perform to your in, intention. And when I say that, it's kind of like if you're going to go out there with the intention of not walking somebody, then you're, you're going to throw. Somebody. What's that? You're you won't somebody. walk somebody. You won't. You want, but you oh. know what's going to happen? They're going to light you up. Yeah. Well, because you're throwing way too much over the plate. Yeah. Right. But if you go out there and says, I want to strike this person out, you will perform to your intention. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So that's what I mean. Like, but when we talk about it, when I say, Hey, we need to have some sort of body awareness, you have to, you have to have some sort of idea of correction. Like, like, you know what? I was three inches off the plate on this one. That was not what I wanted. You know, I, how did that happen? So the next time I'll go around when this pitch gets called again, I know to probably say a little bit, I, I need to feel a little bit more control in my front side, or I need to feel a little bit more of my weight coming through whatever the, whatever the case may be. Right. So I think there's a, there is a, a mix of just winning. And then I think there's a mix of like, Hey, like you got to understand how I did that. I, how did I do that? You know, totally. Yeah. I, I, uh, the self-evaluation of, after you release the pitch and like how it, how the ball makes the hitter react, you know, right. softball and baseball is, is that's the game that I think you and I talk about that we enjoy this whole, you know, strikeout idea of what was the stat that was on social the other day, some girl from Texas that like 
unreal oh, Texas, amount. Texas Ast- or Kat Osterman, I did see that. Yeah. Uh, she she averaged two strikeouts in inning. But you know what's super funny is she is far from the hardest thrower. Yeah, you know. So you uh, know, I, I, that's to your point too, and I think to our to our point is like once it becomes a known movement and we can be comfortable inside that movement. The next level of that, like if I'm taking Araldis Chapman, for example, and looking at he's the best Ferrari that we got right now, like now we're going to try to be a good pilot and teach him the game, right? And be like, yo, dude, like I don't understand why you don't throw this particular pitch more often because if you pair that with this, then you're going to strike more people out. Like these sequences or these areas, these nasty pitches that you and I know, especially being a catcher, because I enjoy catching guys too to see Mm – what the ball's doing at me and how late it moves and how sharp it moves, you know? Right. So I, I will say this, um, you know, I hate talking about my playing experience only because it, to me, it doesn't matter, but um, I didn't throw when it came to in the men's fast pitch realm, I threw maybe I threw 78 to 80 miles an hour. That was it. Um, in comparison to these other guys. So uh, at the men's major level, which is the top, I was at the lower end of average. Right, uh, I still racked up the same amount of changeups. I mean, the same amount of uh, strikeouts. Um, and I'll say this: as we were talking about earlier, is I have a really good knack for reading the direction of force and how force is coming towards me. I'm still I am able to see the line of force coming from a batter, right? And I try to teach my kids. We do a lot of that. Like, look at watch how the bat's coming through. When when you're on the mound. Look at the, there's a point where the bat whips. There's a point where you know you can see you can see how their hands um, are either driving forward or driving around. And you and not that you're trying to analyze the swing, but you can actually learn to see the line of force. Now, once you've like able to see that line of force, we just learn to stay away from it, you know, um, and throw to the weak spots of that force, you know. So like. You know, I tell kids all the time, like you can throw a curveball or a changeup or or whatever pitch you want to throw um, to an entire lineup, but you're just throwing it to different parts of their swing. You know, so I I, I feel like I feel like if you know, sequency is good, so you're not predictable, right? But I also think the like to be successful when it comes to the strikeout situation is look at how the bat's coming towards you and stay away because 99% of the time a batter's swing will not change well and that's, I mean, that's could, the level of the game that you and I have played where we're talking about like facing another human right one-on-one battle right. like that side of it right you're reading mm-hmm. what we we watched a, a, a ALCS game the other day and we were watching how the hitter was hooking like you're talking about you can see the barrel whip and right. then you can see the end of the bat where he was trying to get around it on these sliders mm-hmm. that were going away from him. And then the guy ended up going fastball away after two sliders and you saw the barrel stay behind it. And then he just dumped it in right field. Right. And, you know, we were talking about how hitters change their adjustments on the direction that they're trying to, you know, big leaders change pitch per pitch on what they're trying to do, probably based on whatever percentages and data that they're getting from what this guy's going to throw. And if you can, you know, create a plan like what you're saying like if you know particularly that day that that change up that you're throwing is, is really going to be effective against this lineup then that's a form of sequencing that you okay how do i set that up so it's going to be the most effective right 
Right. Well, I mean, I mean, change, I think change up is a little different. Um, and not to get too much on the um, on the. Just go. I'll, okay. I'll yeah, say go. This. Yeah. No, I'll we want to I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I don't spot changeups. I don't believe in spotting changeups. And going back to where I was, rack, I got the same amount of strikeouts as kind of everybody else. Was um, I always threw my changeup like right down the middle, and I was in a true belief. Well, that, that is a spot, though. That's a that's a well, okay. But what thing, I mean is, you know I'm I mean? not trying to pick yeah. corners. I'm not trying to pick corners. Yeah, for sure. I, you know what? The effect. I'm in true belief that effectiveness of a changeup is in its deception, not in its location. Um, it's not like anything else where like, Hey, you know, you, you kind of hung that curveball a little bit, you know, the effectiveness of a changeup comes from deception. And so if, if you are 100% deceptive, you can literally throw that pitch down the middle every single time they can even know it's coming mm -hmm. and they still can't hit it. Yeah. Right. And so I love um, that you said that. And it's, it's, that's why it's not about hitting spots. It's about like executing that's the ideas. Point. Yeah, right. for sure. Totally. And so that's why I try to tell my, like when I hear coaches all the time, uh, you know, that changeup was just left in the zone. I'm like, no, they knew it was coming, yeah. whether through form, whether through your pitch calling, whether through whatever the reason is, they knew it was coming. This the Maybe deception it was too was fast, lost. right? Yeah, yeah, who knows? The deception was lost. The deception was lost. That was it. Um totally so I don't even know how we got in, got that in. That was so that. good. The deception good. is lost. That but that's I mean, and that goes back into like, okay, so take away all of the technology, okay, and talk about, okay, so John is talking to me about sequencing and how he's throwing his pitches, right, when I first meet him. And what became obvious immediately was his conversation about white and red, right? And so if you spin the ball correctly, oh, right, yeah, yeah. you'll make the ball blur white or you'll make the ball right. blur red, right? So a two seam for us is going to have more of that broken up spin. So I'm going and listening to that and I'm going, okay, that's pitch design, right? That's what people are you know, calling pitch design, but simultaneously, like you don't need this technology to do that stuff. And, no. and it would be really helpful for you to not rely on the technology because this information is there all of the time, every single time you play catch, right? And so anyway, it's just, it's just one of those things where, where you're saying the same exact thing. When you watch the, the balls come out of your girl's hands, I, it's it's a blur. I have no idea what it's going to do, um, and that's that's not common, right? Um, so I think to your point, I think what technology has done was kind of level the playing field a little bit with with the things that I do. So the things that I think somebody told me this before: the things that I do naturally is like having Right View Pro is kind of what gives them that that other person the same perspectives that I get. Does that make sense? The difference is I can do it in a tenth of a second by watching. Oh, sorry, my dog's kind of going crazy. Hold on, Max, get down. Um, or uh, what was I saying? I'm so sorry. Oh, and the Right View Pro is like you got to take, you got to sit there, review, go back. You got to like slow-mo it. And you got to like, this is what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Where I, you know, so I think... I'll say this. I am a fan of technology if it's about collecting data. I don't know if I'm a fan of technology when it comes to uh, instruction because I don't think there are an, I don't think there are any and don't get me wrong as far as for me, I don't think there are any kind of um, anything out there that teaches you how to do something. I think what it does is it it does it for you. 
so you can feel like what it's supposed to feel like, right? But it doesn't really matter. Like, um, I'm not going to name what tool this is, right? But there's a tool that that's a mound, right? And it, it, it <laughs> I'll just say this. And what it does is it kind of tells you if did you drive correctly, right? And it's kind of like, okay, well, I didn't drive correctly because it, di- it did not signify something. So, so what at that point? So how are you going to fix it? It's not teaching you how to fix things or how to move in a certain way. It just tells you if you did it right or wrong, right? So I, when it comes to technology and coaching, I feel like that's where it really does, like the expertise of the coach really uh, is important because you just can't get all of these knickknacks and think you're just going to become like a world-class pitcher yeah i i've just i've just acknowledged with us like the fact is is when you when you understand how to simplify movement enough for the kids where the development happens you know you can be sure that the development happens then you have the luxury of teaching the things that we're talking about where you can tell them the difference between you know what their hand is doing and how it's going to affect the spin on the ball you know and then you can talk about actually being yourself you know, I'll just say one last thing in defense of some people, it's like, you know, sometimes kids aren't given any weapons. Right. And so you can't really focus on, you know, who you are on the field when you don't have any weapons out there. You know what I mean? So, well, I'll, I'll, OK, so this is that's a very good topic because there are this this age old question of what is more important. Is it speed, location or movement? Right. And, to, and yeah. like everyone asks me that all the time. And I'm like. It doesn't matter. Just do one of them, right? Be, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna throw hard, then and that's gonna be your deal, then that's what you're gonna work around, right? Does does it mean we can't try to be better at certain things? No, it just means like know who you are as a pitcher. If I'm a power pitcher, I'm a power pitcher, and I'm going to throw like a power pitcher, right? If I if if my deal is to to spin the ball, um, then do that well. You know, do that well. Don't get too caught up in like trying to throw hard. So it's almost like the I keep on thinking of music analogies because it's like the thing about music is that it's so predictive, right? And so part of the thing there is like what makes music kind of like catchy is when you think you're going along, you're going along, and then something's like, oh, that was funny that they said that, or that note made me like feel a certain way. It's like, oh, that was a oh, that just got sad. And and in the same way, um, like oh my gosh, I'm I, I'm terrible at bringing back the analogy. Um, but <laughs> go run with it. Say something. <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. I, I'll say this. I, I'll say, um, going back to teaching these kids, right. Um, cause that's really what all of us are here doing. Um, I feel like we are limited as coaches because we can give them all of these tools and all of these weapons, but we're not, they are not the ones dictating what they're doing. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, no, no, no. Yeah, they're not calling like, pitches. They're, they're not, not learning pitches. They're yeah, not, for exactly. sure. Oh and my so, god. Yeah. And so, I think that's where we can sit here and talk about. Hey, they're not given weapons. What? Who can? If they're not utilizing them, that's a that's a control. Issue. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a enough. control issue. Oh yeah. I was gonna say this is like okay. So the coming back to just like if you're a fast, if you're gonna be a power pitcher, the whole point is like. You have to be a power pitcher. You have to like live in one of those in order to take advantage of being a power pitcher, right? So if you are committing to being a power pitcher, then when the moment comes, the biggest moments, and you become a 
command pitcher for an at bat, that that person is just mind blown, right? And you can use these things to your advantage when you do have an identity, right? right. Um, you know, I think some, you know, we, we kind of go back and forth between I'm a two pitch guy, he's a 17,000 pitch guy. And it's like, they actually both work, right? The fact that he does have six pitches is, is typically way better, you know? But the, the one thing I've seen is like, sometimes John gets a little cute and he just gives up singles because he was trying to get too cute. <laughs> and where it's like, I've seen myself just like, I know that this team, if I just go fastballs, arm side and breaking balls, you know, wherever I need them to be, if I basically am throwing three pitches the whole game, literally three pitches, knowing that I'll miss a little bit, you know, that can be super effective. So I really resonate. And I know that you do a good job of this, but both of you are, are so good at, you know, you, you have to suggest kids get better, but simultaneously like maintaining their sense of self and then building that is when okay. I'm talking about, when I'm talking about tools, that's what I mean. Right. So I've heard kids that are like, Oh, they never show up that every time there's runners in scoring position, they never show up. And it's like, well, what are you doing as the coach to like help them in those moments? Because that's, right. that's what you're so good at doing. So I, I'll say this. I think one of the biggest tools that a pitcher can have, and I think we are directly uh, responsible for giving them this is confidence, right? And I think that is a tool. The more confident you are, and let me say, when I say confidence, and I'll say, uh, to a point to almost arrogant, right? And you can do that in your workouts, not by saying move like this or move like that, right? I mean, yeah, that's part of it because they become more confident in themselves. But when we, when we are there and they're in our workouts and we're hyping them up and we're gassing them up and we're like, do you see that? Do you see how much that, you know, they start to build this, confidence in themselves yeah, that belief. when they do go, yeah. the belief right and then when they go to the game like i'll I, i'll give you the perfect example um i you know i i had i well i have a kid that's in my program who works with a foundational coach um and the dad was like look we're just gonna give it a try and see you know she liked it but blah 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 whatever the reasons why she she didn't want to continue it um and so within our program, she and I, and I told her, I'm, I said, look, I said, I think what's going to happen is this. I know you say you don't like it now, but the minute you get a little bit of success, you're going to become addicted and you're going to keep going for it and going for it and going for it. And so anyways, what, what I, this kid started two weeks, into our, two weeks into our program, like I've heard from other coaches, I heard from the dad, you know, what did you do to that kid? That kid, like, totally different person on the mound, right? Uh, I said, we didn't uh, – obviously, in two weeks, you can't do much with somebody's form, but all we did was gas her up. All we did was tell her, like, you know what? Like, you're going to be good. You have the ability to be great. And we did have made a little bit of adjustments, you know, which she, which she probably took into her next game. But just that mindset of the belief in herself and the mindset and in, in, in the, in the trust in, like, kind of like the little adjustments that she made – turned her entire existence around. Does that make tell, sense? Tell the lipstick story. Oh, God. This okay, makes so, me cry every time. It's a good right. story. Okay, so I have... I'm already I, crying, by the way. So I have I have kids that... And I'm not... I have kids that fly in to train with powerhouse mechanics, or they, they train with me. They don't train with a foundational coach, but I have a kid who comes from out of state. Um, and this kid, phenomenal. Phenomenal. 
right? She's just a beast. She uh, she struck she led her state in strikeouts um, when she for high school. Uh, but when it came to recruiting and it came to her going to all these camps, like something inside of her uh, just was lost, right? Like she she wasn't performing like she was, you know, because I think she felt like she was being judged at that point, and it, you know. And which you are when it comes to recruiting, you're being judged. Um, and her parents called me, and this was like her third failed recruiting trip or camp, whatever you want to say. And she was trying to, she's starting to lose her drive, her belief in herself. Um, and so they said, Hey, can you talk to her? And I, and I said, I told the parents, I said, No, I'm not going to talk to her because this is something that's individual, but I'll figure something out. And so, <laughs> I, what I did was I just went on Amazon and uh, I found like like lipstick, red lipstick. And I made up this quote, which is funny now because I told her I made it up. But I made up this quote that says, all a woman needs to take over the world is confidence in a tube of red lipstick. And I sent it to her, right? And she like... The parents called me. They're like, we, we just want to thank you so much for this. And, like, she puts on that red lipstick, and she became this whole different person. Like, this this sense of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, now, now get, don't get me wrong. She started getting everybody would start to notice her, right? And she loved it because who's wearing red lipstick on the mound, right? Coaches would walk by and be like, who's this chick rocking red lip, like, bright red lipstick like that? You know, and it just, it just like, I mean, now she, I mean, she's got a full ride to a, a great college and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, like we, we instill confidence in these kids, whether if it's from a, a tube of red lipstick or whether it's from, you know, people, people want to say speed's not everything, but you know, when I watch your guys' live, it's not everything, right? But you know what it does in that moment for that kid is it gasses them up, it gets them excited, it gets them and that, that's like the number one thing you got to do. You know, people want to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, the first thing that they do, you know, they're looking at how hard they're throwing. Hey, speed is fun. Throwing hard is fun. You know, they're, they're becoming confident in themselves by looking at how hard they're throwing. So don't, why, why do we need to take that away from them? Just because you don't feel like that's important, you know? Hey, throwing, being nasty is fun. Like, yeah, straight pretty up. much. Yeah, I, I got to I got to share this just for like, cause kids just like how, how much it's important to pay attention to what the kids want. Um, yesterday, um, this was a great moment and this is, this is not throwing dad under the bus. This is like, this happens to everybody. Um, so yesterday I was doing a remote training session and I was, I wanted the kid to work on his glove side. This kid's seven. Okay. They're calling from Massachusetts. And um, I wanted him to put different things in his left hand as he was throwing. So it was the glove and it was just some random, like random thing. And the third thing, he went to pick up a basketball and his dad's like, no, no, that wouldn't be good. And then it, I'm like, wait a second, let's grab that. Right. And, and, and all of a sudden it was the best this kid had thrown and it's not even close. And I called the dad afterwards and I'm like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, make sure we're on the same page. This is, this is the, I, I don't, I had no idea that that was going to work. This wasn't like, you're a bad idea. This is a, Hey, kids will typically show us what they need, right? If we're paying attention to that 
And like, sometimes they're willing to teach us things. You know what I mean? And go ahead. No, no, no. Totally agree with that. And I think that uh, I have people that make fun of me all the time because one time I was doing a lesson and I found this rake, right? And I created this drill with a rake. And I think that's where, um, where people, um, they get so caught up in this idea of, of one way, right? So when that kid grabbed the basketball, you know what I'm saying? And, and you got to understand, like, and I don't, I don't fault parents for this. They just don't know. They don't know better, right? They don't know. It doesn't make any better. sense, right? Exactly. It, right. And doesn't so make any that, sense at all. Right. So when he grabbed the basketball, it was kind of like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Right. And you're kind of like, let's let him go. Let's see what happens. Right. And, and that, and I, and I, what I'm saying is like, whatever it takes, and it might be unorthodox and it might be out of the realm of what you know, but let them. I mean, what's the harm? What, what's what's right? You know, right. So that's that's just. I feel yeah, like. Talk- we, what's that? Keep going. What I was gonna say was, I feel like we need to stop trying to teach movement and start to teach feel. Stop trying to teach how your body moves and teach and feel how your body is moving and feel how you're generating and feel where this is going. Um, because then I feel like movement, the body movement, is intentional, but feeling is reactionary. Right. And so I, I have more of, I guess you could say more of a, re, a reactionary approach. Well, to, and I think, okay. and, and when I hear that, you know, knowing I've talked about how you and John are so similar from an athleticism standpoint, like you can solve that task. You can go into that mindset. Right. And so you guys are so good at just like allowing your body to solve these tasks, you know, and, and then to your point of like all of the kids being so trained, like a lot of kids don't just let it happen try to solve the task and then try to solve it a little bit better that time. You know, they want to mentally prepare for, I mean, here's a, here's probably the most obvious way that it happens to me. Every time I tell a kid to like throw a ball for the first time, almost 99% of them are going to bend their knees before they do anything else. And it's like, you didn't have to bend your knees to stand there. You, you, you did that pre move because somebody told you that that's what athleticism is not because you feel athletic doing that. Right. Or they're mimicking. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, rather than, you know, just authentically moving how their body wants to move to solve a task. So anyway, that's a little, I don't mean to over technical it, but as somebody who it doesn't come natural to, to like it does for you and John, you know, that's, that's one of my perspectives. I'll I'll say this Cass. And I think this is kind of like where, you know, like I said, I've been listening to you guys, your podcasts and stuff. Uh, and I think where, where, where I am similar, similar in the way of you guys is you guys have your three rules. I have my three rules, right? And we stay within those realm, that realm of the, of the three rules, right? It's three rules you guys have, right? Yeah, Don't yeah. cross your arms. Um, yeah, hands move at the same speed. Hands move the same speed, they right? They know they so, go past the front hip. And so I think like as long as you guys, we, we stay within those those three rules, I think everything else kind of just figures itself out. Right. And so I, um, that's where I feel like the tech, when we talk about, we don't need to focus so much on, uh, how the entire body's moving. Right. Like you focus on how your body's moving within these three steps and let everything else just figure itself out. I do. That's, that's, that's the exact same thing of my coaching. I have my, you know, when I do clinics, bro, like the funny thing is, is like, like, I just go teach my three rules. That's it, you know. And 
And that's about all. And, and, and I tell everybody, like, you do these three things, you'll fi- the, your body will figure the rest out. I, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a story about this. Um, I, I did a clinic one time. And, you know, here I am throwing, teaching my three rules, right? And this kid was, like, absolutely horrible. Like, and I will put it out there. She was throwing the ball over the fence. The dad's kind of frustrated. She's crying, blah, 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 blah. And this was, like, a two-day camp. Uh, and the dad, after the camp, goes, hey, can I get your number for uh, pitching lessons? And I was just like, oh, God. Like, um, <laughs> um, I, I, how do I tell this guy, like, no, right? And um, I, I, so I gave him my number anyway. Um, and four months later, this guy calls me back. And he goes, hey, uh, do you mind, you know, life's selling down you mind if we do lessons and i said you know what sure you know i was just kind of expecting what i saw at the clinic so we go back and said, let's do the evaluation she does the evaluation and this kid is like humming it like throwing bb's throwing straight when i go and i asked the dad i said do you guys go to pitching lessons and he goes no we've just been doing those three things that you taught us at the clinic right and and that was it. And so now this kid is like one of the top. She's a, a sophomore right now. Um, and the dad is one of my foundational coaches. But, I mean, this kid is lights out. Um, and it, like I said, it used, we, we, she, stayed with the, she stayed within the perimeters of those three rules. Right? And I think the same thing that you guys do. Stay within the perimeter of these three rules. And everything else will just happen. Right? That, that's what I've been saying from day one. I mean, it's it's – I think the hardest part is that there's no context to our rules, right? It's not like other people have something similar to that, right? And and there there is a lot that it left, leaves unexplained, right? It doesn't really talk about how the legs happen, but um, it, it's it's pretty crazy. And I've said this to you before, you know, you've already said it. The, the great thing about the rules is that it allows throwing to become accessible to anybody right now, right? right. And so if I can tell an eight-year-old's mom, the three rules, right? I actually feel better about her interpretation of the rules because it's going to be simple and, and it's mm-hmm. it's going to come from uh, somebody who probably cares about her kid. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's that's all that you need. You just need to keep it simple and, and it allows them mm-hmm. to have fun. So if, right. if you have a radar gun, it makes it that much easier. But um, again, well, keep going to find a way to make it fun. When we talk about keeping it simple, and this is kind of like where... I think we can't, you can't feed so much information to a kid and think you're going to keep it simple. Does that make sense? Like, um, like, like when I was saying I'm not smart or whatever, I I take that back. I just like, I just don't have that intellect to break it down to a certain degree. When I say, when I say break it down, I mean like, I don't have that, that going back to the Nates. Right. Or, oh, do you feel your post? Do you feel your post? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. How's your posterior chain, bro? Exactly. Or like, like, so I don't, I don't speak that way. I don't speak that way because I don't think that way. And so I probably speak and talk along the lines of a 12 year old. And so it's real easy for them to like receive the information. Um, Going into a story, like, I think you've, you've been to TJ, right? And I think we talked about, you knowing this, this guy. Um, and I went out there and I did a clinic for, um, and I walked into this clinic and all of these kids 
whether we're doing it right or wrong, we're throwing gas, right? And I asked them, I said, hey, who's the pitching coach around here? He's like, oh, we don't have one. And so it got me thinking, like, you know, the reason why these kids throw so hard because they have no idea how to throw wrong. Does that make sense? Like, they just throw. They just, like, they maybe do it. They, they, they don't overcomplicate themselves with what am I supposed to do right? That they just throw. They throw hard, right? And I think that's kind of like the, the double-edged sword of what we do here. We can give them so much information, but if we give them that information, now you give them the ability to overthink, Right. And so I kind of limit how much information I give out for that, for that like sole reason. Right. Because I don't want you to, I don't want you to, I don't want you to have the ability to overthink. I'm just giving you what you need to know. And that is it. I love that. What you just said, because it makes me think about like what I want to do on the mound, like when I'm actually competing and I don't Mm want to think about, you know, my hip or my knee or my butt or, Right. Timing. I'm going down the mountain. I want to be like, all right, fastball away, <sighs> rip, you know, and right. just smoke it, smoke that spot. Okay. Uh, missed a little bit on that spot, felt my balance like that and move on to the next thing. And, and, you know, there's too much information, I think, happening when you're facing another human of, of competition, when you're in a game to be worried about where you landed or did you finish right, square right, right, or, right. you know, these things that like, are details to to the body movement to what your point is but it's not the game it's not the fun part you know right uh, i'll say this i think that uh, i mean you make a good point in regards to it's human versus human you know it's and when you're out there you should be thinking my best versus your best and however that however that happens you know i, I tell my kids all the time like you know when you're out there and, and you're in your situations Legs and fingers, that's all you have to feel. That's the beginning of your pitch and the end of your pitch. Legs and fingers, you know, and and I mean, I think there is a sense, you do have to have a sense of like what your body is doing because you can easily get out of control, you know, and then and then it's hard, to, when you are that out of control, your body's that hard out of, like, it's hard to come back out out of that does that make sense and mm-hmm. and i'm speaking through this through experience um and i think that's what happens when people are like in hitting slumps is that they're, they're always looking and trying to feel something that is like what's wrong with them physically what's wrong with my swing blah 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 and it's like it's really not your swing like just get out of your head and hit the ball like your body already knows you've trained your body so much that it knows what it wants to do just let it do what it wants to do totally. see it and hit it right do you see that you see that you see the glove? Well, here's the thing. I don't talk about hit the glove. We don't talk about that because the glove to me is arbitrary. It doesn't matter. It's what's in front of the it's what's in front of the batter that we try to focus on because who cares what happens after the ball's past the batter, right? So I don't talk to my kids a lot about like hitting spots. And I think you don't either. But I think it's like if you're you focused catch on, people on the plate a lot, right? Oh uh, I know I do. So that's one thing when I do catch, when I am catching, I sit right at the edge of the back of the plate. So that way when my, when I receive the ball, I'm receiving the ball in front of the plate. So if you're talking about like, Hey, I want to throw a curveball, We focus on what's in front of the plate. So if you're we're throwing curveballs or whatever, hit the spots in front. Don't worry about Cause that's the where they should the be swinging for the record. Not just that too, but we also talk about, look, don't rely on the umpire to give you strikes, get strikes on your own. You know, stop focusing on like the one way of getting strikes. And that's 
for the umpire to say strike. There's foul balls. There's there's foul balls. There's foul tips. You know, swings and misses. Like it's not one way to get a strike. Like I can look at somebody and say, look, I'll give you for example, when my seat when I work with seniors, that's what we we solely work on the entire time is like we'll go out there, we'll get batters out there, and I say, all right, we're gonna learn to create intentional outs. So we need a, a uh, we need a ground ball to second base right here. How are we going to get this kid to ground to to get a ball to second base or ground out to third? You know, like so. How are we going to set him up that way? Right? Yeah. Like, um, like get you got to get the whatever the case may be. So, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. What were we talking about? Um, I don't know, but that's really <laughs> good, and I don't think a lot of people. I mean, this goes back oh, to oh, the front you, of the plate, the front of the plate. Yeah, right. front, of the, front of the plate. Yeah, is you got to get them to swing. So first, let's let's get let's get ahead of the count by getting two foul balls that they pulled, right? And then once yeah. you get them down in the count, like they're going to start swinging at things that uncomfortable spots or uncomfortable pitches. Now, don't get me wrong. There's I always tell people there's a difference between being uncomfortable and confident, right? So they'll start chasing balls within an area they are not comfortable with, right? And that's where you got to get them to, you know, where are they comfortable at by looking at how they're swinging or the path that they're of energy that they're creating. And you can see that they'll swing at those spots. You just got to put it in spots where the ball's not going to go fair when they, when they make contact. And then once you get up two strikes, then you, I mean, you can even stay in the same location if you want, like it's just, but you can, you can start moving the ball around where they know that like, I, I don't really want to swing at this, but I'm going to, cause I got two strikes. You know, but I think so many kids are on coaches. Coaches are the ones that are um, perpetu- perpetuating this narrative of hit spots, hit spots, hit spots, hit the glove, focus on the glove, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like to me, I, which is kind of hard, John, which I think you probably would agree. We can't sit here and teach this if it's not going to be utilized outside of our facilities or outside totally. of our watch, yeah, right? Exactly. So it's just kind of – Because you're not saying know. anything that doesn't make sense to me or anybody who's played to a high level, right? You, you talk to these people right. that played at a high level, they're going like, hey, like I, I think about this exact thing every time where um, the worst home run I've ever given up, I hit my spot, like dotted it. Right. 90, 91 backdoor two seam through didn't down and away, could not have done better, got hit it over the center field wall. Like right. happens, right? So if it if it was hitting spots, right, then the sequencing ideas that you just said would be even more important because that's like it's not throw a change up, it's make them pull it twice, right? To speed exactly. them up and then throw right. them in that uncomfortable spot that looks right. like it's gonna be the same thing that ends up something else, and then they you get that non-comfortable non-confident or non-comfortable swing that results in the k and and i'm gonna throw something out there that like okay i've never thought about this maybe the hitting world is so unbelievably delusional that it makes pitchers think that they actually are adjustable and i think we give hitters way too much credit because you guys continue to say it and i couldn't agree more you can literally look at what their their swing can and cannot do and like because there's a conversation out there about hitters having an adjustable swing. Where's my air quotes here? Adjustable swing, right? They actually don't. It's like this stupid bullshit narrative. Sorry, excuse me, but like it's a right. narrative that they create because I don't see a lot of people that actually have 
very adjustable swings. You know, and then I think about like when he says that bomb that he gave up, I will never, this is my version of that. I threw an 0-2 fastball that almost hit a dude in the face and he hit a double off the center field wall. Like it makes no sense. But if I would think about it now, I probably could have predicted that that was one thing that his swing could do, right? So like, oh, maybe if I brush him up and that's part of him standing up and that flattens out his bat, like these are things that you can at the next level tend to see where the body goes, right? Does that make sense? Yes and no. And I I think what's what's funny is you, you hear it when you hear commentary. Oh, the last five balls, they fouled off to right field. They intentionally moved the bat, the, the the defense over, and then they poked. And it's like, no, that's literally not. That's not what they're doing. That's no. not what. That's not what their approach was. That not. They saw the ball and they hit it. Yeah, they're well, athletes. It's, they're athletes. I watched David Ortiz at bat the other day, and like, it, it's so simple. The the pitcher could own, like the pitcher wanted to throw his cutter, so he went cutter. Or he, and then so he the, at bat before David Ortiz, he went cutter, 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 cutter. Okay, so what does he do to David Ortiz? Fastballs, 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 fastballs. And right. you know that that's what Big Poppy, he's only dialing in on those two things. And so his swing allows him to hit both of them. Okay, this dude's going fastballs away. So he's late on the fastball away every time. And people are like, that's what the commentators, they're not even close to saying what's going on. That swing, right. if he fouls off that fastball long enough, he knows he's going to get a cutter. And that swing that it fouls off a fastball to the third base side as a lefty, right? That swing will run into any cutter that comes in. It, it, right. And it was unbelievable that he could just like know what his swing had to be and then just wait and wait well, and wait and wait. I think that's, I think that's where the importance of like adjusting your game plan comes into play. I can almost guarantee you that it was your sequencing did not change. Meaning like this guy knew, like, I don't know what your, what happened prior to this dude, like ripping it off the center field fence was, but was it like, hey, every time he got two strikes, he came up and in? Right. Exactly. I mean, there, there's sure. a difference between mentally prepared and then like changing your swing to adjust to hit it. I probably, honestly, I feel like that dude probably was like, dude, this this dude has the same sequence every single time. So every time. No, he- dude, I talked to him in the parking lot afterwards. He's like, I closed my eyes and hit that baseball. Right. But- <laughs> But my point, like your your answer is absolutely correct. I have to consider both of them. This is what good baseball players are doing when they're playing the game. This is what good softball player, right? Any good competitor, right. this is how they think. And and if right. you can teach your athletes to pitch in a certain way to recognize that, you run into situations like this when you realize that entire college baseball teams are being taught the same offensive strategy. So if you find the hole right. on one, exactly. it ruins everybody. You know, like. Right. I, I tell the story about, you know, going to the NBC World Series and facing this like Alaska team and everybody had a flat roll wrist swing. And there were, I want to say there were eight lefties and one righty. And so they had seen me throw before and you could tell that they were crowding the plate. And I'm like, oh, you college kids, you've never seen a down and end cutter. You've got that level swing. I'm going to live underneath your bat all day. Right. And right. so it just got to the point where I got them in such swing mode that I was going in the fourth and fifth inning and telling the, the guys in the dugout, I'm going to bounce the first pitch on purpose for the next two innings and they're going to swing at it, J- judging by right. the lineup that's coming up. And that's all I did. I went in and bounced right. cutters, swing, swing, you know. And so you see these guys that are, you know, the entire team swings first pitch, the entire team swings second pitch. There's exactly. all of these easy, predictable things that happen that have nothing to do with hitting spots. There's nothing to right. do 
right? It's like, okay, I know where you're making it. Yeah. swing. I got to get them to swing. That's the point. Exactly. Exactly. And, right. And this, this is a, like uh, this. I don't even know if I want to share this because it makes me sound horrible. But, you know, when we got into strikeouts, like uh, I was telling my client the other day, I was like, you know, it's funny. And this is probably not that I want anybody to think this way. But if somebody, if I got a call strike three, I was, I was kind of unhappy about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, bro, like, why didn't you swing at that? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, yeah. I was only happy with my strikeout if it was a strikeout with swing and miss. Yeah. Because that was me versus you. That was, that was my best versus your best. You yeah. just didn't swing at a pitch, which, you know, I mean, and I think that's funny. I think, I, but I go, I think that goes back into like our intention, our mentality, the things yeah. that drive us. Like, yeah. You know, I loved, and I know this for you too. Like, I can almost guarantee you, our mindset was the same. Was I don't just want to strike you out. I want to make you look dumb. That's what I want to do. I want to embarrass you. Like, I I want want, you to walk back to the dugout with your head down. You're like texting your mom that you're (laughs) like, you get what I'm saying. Like, I want you to feel horrible about yourself. I'm coming home, mom. (laughs) I'm coming home. Right? Like, like so. Um. I just feel like I feel like we we're losing that we're losing that's what we're talking about be you like like what is it like we're trying to go out there and do like yeah well and when we highlight you know when when we're looking at um, like pitching um, like Instagram and pitching Twitter like we, we highlight these guys that have these nasty tools right right we don't but nobody's even talking about it. like I, I I scrolled back uh, last night to the beginning of Pitcher Nation's page which was like 2019 in March, right before spring training, which is like one of my favorite pages now because it's just highlights of nasty stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I go back at it and like the third or fourth post down is like a pitch that you just don't see in Major League Baseball. Front right. door curveball from Justin Verlander to Ryan McCann and all of these things happen. Brian McCann sets up super late. There's a guy on second base. Um, whatever pitch was happening before that, McCann's tucked in tight, and he the way he even catches it and sets up, like you can see the way that the batter is so uncomfortable because like, there is an inside curveball that is not normal, you know, and right. it's sharp and nasty. So like, he doesn't even know how to swing at it, and so he does right. this weird like upward miss by three feet kind of swing, and it's like those are those are actually more achievable than you think if you understand what Verlander and McCann were doing there, right? However, they got to that uncomfortable body situation, that curveball, they knew, okay, if we can get to this pitch and this spot against this batter, this is the perfect time to throw it, you know? Right. I'll say this. I think what makes people uncomfortable is the unknown. Yeah. Right? So because this, you're, you're looking at this pitch that is like, you've, you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. makes you uncomfortable right i think that's not just in baseball i think that's like in life in general things that people don't have knowledge of it makes them feel uncomfortable um yeah. creates hesitation ex- and it creates the over like they start to begin to over analyze a situation yeah um just because it's new and i think that's a, a it's a human reaction to do that like uh, and i going into the changeup, by the way that's what i tell i tell my pitchers all the time like it's not your motion that's deceptive. It's the fact that you're throwing this force. And if you don't throw force, you're not deceptive. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't matter how fat, like speed, how fast you move is not how much force you're throwing with. And I try to say that all the time. Like if you ever, 
If you ever watch, I know Cass, you've seen me demonstrate me throwing changeups. Um, and I tell people all the time, it's not, it's not the beginning into the release. It's the release into the finish that becomes the deception. Um, and I, and the reason why I say that going back into what you're saying is because that is something that they are, the batter is used to seeing, right? They're used to seeing you throw force pitch after pitch, after pitch, after pitch, after pitch. So if all of a sudden something in that sequence of you changes, their mind goes back into this whole, wait, what's going on? Like, that's not, something's wrong with this pattern and it will start to analyze the situation. I'm not saying they're going to be like, oh, here comes a changeup. But they know something's different. The mind is now went from being aggressive to defensive. And that's usually like when they start to get hit back in going in with this, with this other situation you're talking about. The mind isn't used to seeing that sequence. And so, but I'll say this, you keep throwing that, the mind will pick up the pattern and you'll, you'll probably be able, you'll, they'll probably start hitting it more often, you know, but when it's brand new and something that you're not used to seeing, yeah, of course they're, they're going to freeze. I feel and like. for the record, that's where I start running into trouble with um, being a two pitch guy is because the reason why it works for me is because my curveball's so good and it has that wow factor for like entire games. But when I have good at, when I face really good teams, right. And they're just picking one, right. They'll just pick my slider and they'll just say, I know it's good, but I know where it's coming from. And, and they'll just follow, 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 follow. Right. And then they, they're like, I can, I can follow that off all day and I'm going to wait for him to throw me a fastball and they, and they crush me. So you know let me ask I mean? you this though, because I'm a true believer is that you could throw the same pitch every single time, as long as you change the break point. So, and okay. So if going I could, back to oh, hold yeah, on, sorry. going, going back to what, what Cass said before though, was like, remember, like it was, uh, you talked about your linear force on the ball with the rotational, rotational force, force yeah. right? Uh -huh. And how you how you apply each of those will dictate a reaction onto the ball. Mm -hmm. And so if you started to throw with less linear force and more rotational force, you're going to create a sooner break. If you're going to throw with more linear force and less rotational force, you, that the ball's going to carry in a straighter line longer before it breaks. So then you can say, look, I'm going to throw curveballs all day long. I'm just going to change where it breaks. Different kinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm just gonna, so you're going to speed, you're going to speed it up and slow it down. So the shape of the pitch would be. <laughs> okay. So here, here now yeah. you're getting me going because now we're going to just get into like how people uncoach me to be creative. Right. And, and this isn't to like disparage anybody. This is simply the reality, right? I, so in, when I went, when I was in high school, I had like no stride, didn't know how to use my legs. I would just reach back, pull my glove side down as hard as I could and be like straight over the top. That's how I created arm speed. Okay. Had no idea how to stride. And so I'd pair that with a big breaking ball. And I do this kind of weird thing with my hand, with my curveball. I cock my hand really hard here. And so this is what, what I've done since I've been in like sixth grade when I learned how to do it. So I would have these huge bangers. My freshman year right. of college, they would have me come in and I would just throw huge, huge curveballs, and that would be all I would do. Because and, and by the way, speaking of seams, we've been talking to Vance Worley a lot about the new baseballs. These seams were twice as big as the seams that I have right now. Yeah. So I'm literally throwing blitz balls um, on the mound. Um, I'm getting a lot. Oh, oh so, so then by my junior year, though, I had I had had an injury. My mechanics, I tried, I tried to be everybody else besides me, right? And by my junior year, I'm like, okay. If I throw this same exact pitch with a little bit more across, like a slider, I can throw it all day long. 
right. for a strike. Like I knew exact, my command was way better with it. And so then they're like, ah, but it's too flat. So we just want you to have one. So I distinctly have a, um, a, a text message in my head that was like, you just need to throw that one that had depth. And the conversation should have been, you're throwing a flat one. This is how you throw one with depth. This is how you like, and just go and elaborate on that. Cause now we're talking and I'm like, bro, I've been known how to throw, I've known how to throw a cutter since I was in sixth grade, but I didn't think it was good. Cause I thought I, nobody ever told me these things. Right. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, I, at, at one point I was somebody who could throw that big over the top 12, six and this, and then I had a spike. And if you had told me to just not spin a slider so much and it would be a cutter, all of a sudden I basically can throw five breaking pitches pretty well. It's always been the changeup and the two seams that have, have given me trouble. So anyway, this uh, point is, is you already brought this up earlier. I'm from Minnesota. I didn't have these resources that you have down here and that's okay. But now I want to teach it. Right. Okay. Back to what you were saying though. Like it's like, it's not just adjusting your break point that, that when you understand how to control those two different forces, which I'll say this, we talk a lot about uh, when we when you when you get to me and we're talking about breaking pitches and stuff like that, we do talk about like I'll say things like, hey, you know what? You're just throwing too much through the ball with your force. I need to see more around the ball with your force. Um, now, with I'll I'll just give you when I first teach kids how to throw a breaking pitch, I'll say this. I'll say, all right, hey, we're gonna learn how to throw a drop or a curve, whatever whatever the case may be. And they'll be okay. I'm like, but I the first thing I say is. I want to see you do it on your own. I want to see what you would do if I just said, hey, throw a drop, throw a curve. How are you going to do that? Right? Yeah. Because I feel like that as long as you understand how you're creating force through your fingers and the direction that force goes, that's all it is. I, I, you can make a ball go whatever direction you want. And I'll, I'll be honest, and I'm not – is – like, it's amazing how when I tell a kid all the time, parents are like, hey, when are we going to learn how to throw breaking pitches? And I'm like, Let me, can I tell you something? Breaking pitches are probably the easiest thing to do when it comes to pitching. You just need to learn how to throw. You need this. Your daughter or your son, whatever it is, needs to learn how to feel how they are generating force. And that comes through how we use our body, whether it's through our legs, whether it's through my forearm, whether it's through, like, my thumb. Right. And so we do all of these things. And then it's so funny because when I say, all right, we're going to learn how to throw a rise ball. They have it in one lesson. Right. Because they've understood and I've we've taken the time to teach them how to control and generate force. And so when I say, hey, let me just see you like throw a rise. Let me see you just throw a curve. How are you going to do that? Because they understand how each how they're going to move through their fingers to create that. They, they just are they they already just do it on their own and we just clean it up from there. Right. Like it's, it's, it's just so, it's so simple. And I tell people all the time, like I, I've never had a pitching coach, right. I've never had someone tell me how to hold the ball. You know, this is how you're going to throw a rise, how you throw a change up. Right. I just understand force. I understand the feeling of force. I understand the force of what's going forward. I understand the feeling of what I create in a rotation. Right. And I don't want to get, and I, I don't get wrapped up in spin. Like, Oh yeah, you see, you see your spin, blah blah blah. Like I'm like, pull. Like if you want the ball to go down, pull the ball down, right? Whatever you want the ball to do, 
you yourself have to do, feel within your own body, create that same exact thing. So in baseball, if you're going to throw this uh, whatever pitch, let's just say for uh, a slider, for because this is an easier way to explain it. If you want the ball to go straight and cut out, then you have to feel your body do the exact same thing. You got to feel your energy go forward. And then you got to take your fingers and cut that energy across to create that reaction, right? So a, a ball will only go where you go. A ball will only go where you produce force to go. And I think I saw this in one of your, uh, your um, either it was an Instagram live maybe, uh, where you said, look, talking about the back leg and, how the back leg, it's just showing you the direction that your force went. Was that, was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've talked about, and John actually did a, he's, he's about to post it. Um, I just talked about how like it has to move sideways. And then a lot of people will try to like, the back leg will like go through that. And I'm like, well, no, you have to like get around that then. So it's this go right. through and then the energy turns into that. Um, right. And I, I actually was saying this, I keep on bringing this up lately. John talked about going into a, um, Oh, revolving door. And he said, the faster you go in, the faster you come out. And I'm like, yes, I agree with that. But I had to hear it. I had to say it differently. The faster you go straight in, the faster the door rotates. Right. right. And so that was really helpful for me to, oh, that's actually a little bit different than how fast I come out. Cause he was talking, I only heard the follow through parts where I should have been hearing the transition into rotation is actually how fast you can direct force in a linear fashion. Right? right. And then, and then you just stop that and that will turn into rotation. You know, the, the, these well, principles go ahead. Go, well, I mean, the one thing I think, I think that we're not crediting though, is like, we're talking about force and we do, and I'm bringing up force all the time too, is though that we also need momentum to allow the change of that's where the create and allow kind of thing. Right. Mm, yep. Right. So you cannot take a force into another force. You cannot go like like this. You can't go like this and this simultaneously, right? And I and I I tell kids all the time, like you know you know when you're driving, if you've driven, like you're driving straight, right? You can't keep your foot on the gas and keep producing this force and try to make this right hand turn. You take your foot off the gas. You allow for the momentum to take you into the change of direction, and then you put your foot back on the gas, which is applying another the, the next force, right? So we, I, I feel like when we talk about that revolving door, that is like perfect because you are going forward, but I can guarantee you, you are not, if you're going through that revolving door, you kind of like kind of on that rotation back out, you're not, you're not forcing yourself through this. You're kind of just going with that. You're forcing yourself back out. Does that make sense? So yeah. uh, I think when we talk about that, when it comes to breaking pitches, though, is like so many kids are taught to just force and then force. Does that make sense? Like we yes. don't talk about how you got to allow for momentum to get you into the change of direction before you apply force again. Yeah. So here I got to th – there's – so in hitting, okay – I've been having a back and forth conversation. We, by the way, we probably should wrap this up sooner than later. This is awesome, but we're getting along here. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this. In hitting, a lot of people are taught to preset these positions. Get in a position where you're loaded already. And I think that just helped me understand a different way to think about it is that's applied force rotationally right away. Me creating rotational force at the beginning of my move does not help me create rotational force when I need to. 
right. have to worry about the linear move at the beginning and the rotational forces will be generated along the way. And I don't know that I'm saying it in the same way that you would, but that's really helpful for me to hear it like that because that's a, a good way of saying it is it's counterproductive to the moves that are going to happen. If you're pulling something back behind you and then going forward, forward that, right. that reaction is going to be out away from you as opposed to in the direction that you'd want to be applying it, which is to the ball, of course, you know? Right. So, okay. Um, uh, dude, we, we can talk forever and I'm glad we got right. into this because um, to John's point, he's always like, man, we can't have these short ones because sometimes we get into really good stuff later in. And so these, even these last 40 minutes were brilliant. So um, right. thank you so much for coming on. Um, I don't know if John yeah, has any other thing, but um, I will say this, what I know Jason's Facebook powerhouse is probably the first place to look if I'm going to put my opinion right. on it. Um, so powerhouse <laughs> mechanics on Facebook, your page is pretty good. Constantly putting out good content there. Um, what else, Jason, do we need to know about you? Oh, uh, man. You know what? Like, <laughs> like, I, how do we find you if you wanted to yeah, do you know straight what? with hey, you? Like, do you have a website? You, yeah. So no, 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 no. Well, all that's, all that is in construction right now only because we are, um, we are making some really, really big moves uh, that I, I can't get into much detail right now, but we are making, we've been hashtagging power moves, um, you know, so uh, I don't want but so right now website is down right now. Uh, the best way if you want to get a hold of me is just uh, uh, give me a call. Uh, my phone number is 619-453-8116. Um, you know, if you want, you can go to our Facebook page. Um, that's pretty much, I use that more as like a shout out page, you know, for our kids on our program. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that's pretty much, I'm not difficult at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I have Jason's contact information. So anybody watching, if you ever want to get connected, we got his stuff. So, right. um, John, do you have anything else? No, man, this was great. I appreciate it. You know, I, you and I is always connected on, uh, it seems like we have our favorite parts of the game. I, you know, if we were watching a game, I, I would, I, I would love to watch a high level softball game with you one time. So you can break down the sequencing ideas of what happens with softball, because I know it's like, it's we should actually do it's that. A by different the way. game. You we know? should actually do that. I was next about, yeah. You can feed us on a Sunday. Just hang out at your well, place. Well, I'll be, you want to, the funny thing is my favorite thing to watch, uh, as far as like an analytical standpoint is baseball uh, only because in softball, you get a lot of strikeouts mainly because how fast it's going. I think in baseball, the strikeouts are really, really uh, calculated. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're getting yeah, a strikeout, sure. that was a very calculated at, for like, sure. at bat or that was, you know, in softball, yeah, yeah. a lot of it is just you're overpowering your opponent. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, um, but yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to sit there and watch. Hey, well, I just want to know what the different, you know, cause I think about it like a, um, baseball pitches can only move certain way because the way we throw the ball, right. They can't, right. it can't go up, right. There's, if you have an asterisk, right. For what's going on, baseball pitches mm -hmm. can only go this way, that way, this way, or that way. Right. That's only the bottom half, but I know with softball, like you have an up thing, right. So if right, you have right. an up thing, like you can kind of go almost any direction, you know, right. with it. And that kind of changes the whole dimension of the thing. So, you know, I'm interested yeah. in, and to hear what your thought processes is on that. So, yeah, well, be, um, that would be another good, that'd be a good podcast. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Watch definitely. It. I think, 
So, you know, and listening to you to break it down and stuff like that, maybe we could do a, a back and forth between baseball and, and softball. That'd be fun also. So right. awesome. Cool. All well, right, I appreciate man. it, man. Um, you know, guys, don't forget, go check him out on Facebook. We'll get his number. He's one of the best in the country. Um, working on uh, get you some pitch logic stuff right yeah, there. I'm excited. That would be, be cool with that. that. So um, if you guys got anything else, feel free to reach out. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you very much. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Have a good All one. Right. Bye-bye.